Anyone born in this millennium has a better than evens chance of living to age 100. Even if you're 60, there's a good chance you'll live past 90. Yet most of the financial advice we see is based around a time when people lived shorter lives and it hasn't aged well and is probably wrong. The Century Plan looks at the financial decisions needed to maintain a comfortable lifestyle where your money outlives you and not the other way around. I'm Dennis Hall. I'm a Chartered Financial Planner and I've been giving financial advice to people for almost 40 years. And I'm Sarah Steele. I work with Dennis and I'm here to ask questions on behalf of you, our listeners, and to keep things on the right side of technical. Okay, Dennis, so this is episode five of the Century Plan, and today we're going to be talking about financial fraud, particularly scams, spoofs, and phishing. And by discussing some real-life examples, which I think you have, uh, hopefully we'll help others avoid them. Yeah, and it is those real-life examples. Um, But I've been reading probably half my career about human behaviour and its importance in building wealth. And for me, a crucial part of building wealth is actually keeping hold of it. So in addition to minimising poor investment decisions, and we all make poor investment decisions, we kind of need to be smarter than the scores of of scammers who are out there every day using every trick in the book to part you from your money. Um, And it's happened to me. I've been studying scammers and how they operate as a result of losing several hundred pounds in a boiler room scam around 30 years ago. But I've got a confession, Sarah, that despite being scam aware and being scammed before, I've just been scammed again. Yeah, I remember you saying about this. Um, I mean, my loss this time is a modest £1.50. Oh. Um, <laughs> but that, that was just the entry fee to a, to a bigger, more sophisticated scam. And I want to talk about that scam uh, a little more later on. But there's something that we both read um, yep. last week on, on a forum for financial planners from uh, a financial planner in Scotland who uh, um, had come across a scam that was about to unfold on one of his clients, which would have lost, uh, led to the loss of several hundred thousand pounds. Um, so I'll go through that, because I think it, it's really useful to hear the, the actual things that have been happening out there yeah, uh, and just how easy it is. So... Um, This planner, Ian, had been contacted by a client who had recently lost their spouse. And they told him that they wanted to encash all of their investments. Right, okay. Um, And, well, he asked the normal questions as you would. You know, what do you want the money for? Um, You know, I know everything about you. You've got loads of cash. Do you really need to to be selling these investments? Because actually what they're doing is providing you with a healthy monthly income, which you need, and... In fact, if you did encash them now, there'd be a, a huge tax liability. Um, and he said, in, in order to calculate that for you, I'm going to get a transaction history for you um, so I can work out what that tax liability is, because if you had that information, you might change your mind. But the, email, uh, the client had emailed back saying that they didn't want to wait for an updated cash flow that, uh, or any advice or even the tax calculations they had made up their mind and wanted to withdraw all of their money right and that's such a red flag it, it is a red flag uh, such that he kind of posted onto the forum that i am saying there's something really unusual about this yeah um you know what's the wisdom of the of the financial planner crowd what do you say um and you know everyone say well this doesn't sound right um 
and it, it reminds me of, you know, there was a period when I was advising quite a lot of widows uh, who would be led into making wrong um, decisions. Yeah. Is this something you wrote a book about, isn't it? I did. That's a little while ago. Who will it hurt when I die? And it needs, it needs a bit of a rewrite. Mm. But it is, I mean, the bereaved are, are vulnerable, very yeah. vulnerable. Yeah. Everything's working against them at the time. And what had happened... Well, look, he had um, he decided he didn't really want to facilitate this without specifically writing down that this was he felt this was in the client's um, worst interest, and he actually thought fraud. There's some fraud going on here, but he couldn't uncover what it was. But then he read back through an email chain because you know he, he was just just about to send this off and saw that there was a third party copied into the email. Okay and did a little bit of research behind that and thought, who is this person? And a bit of digging and discovered that, yes, there was fraud. And he phoned up the client, pressed them, and um, the story came out that she had been cold called by someone pretending to be an investigator from the Financial Conduct Authority and someone else. Um, within that sort of scam team from the client's bank saying that somebody had tried to buy airline tickets with their account and claiming also that someone else had tried to set up some internet banking on that account without their knowledge. Well, this would send anybody into a sort of, into into fear, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. But what they'd also been able to do through these conversations on the telephone was um, that client allowed them to Uh, install some software onto their laptop. They opened another bank account with Revolut Hmm. and they had registered that that client for internet banking. And then they told them that somebody was trying to access their investments fraudulently and that they needed to encash them as quickly as possible and transfer them into this new account. Um, And this is the new account that the scammers or the fraudsters had access to because they had set it up. Yeah, so they just created a lot of stress and worry that, you know, means you're perhaps not thinking straight and Not thinking straight at all. And also told them not to involve their IFA because that would jeopardise their investigation, which is why she was being very, very coy Mm -hmm. um, with, with this financial planner. Now, fortunately, it was caught. And it was caught just through the persistence of... Um, of Ian. Great. Um, but the lessons that, that, that should be learned from that are never allow cold callers or anyone to install anything on your computer, laptop or otherwise. Um, and don't believe anyone who calls saying that your accounts have been compromised in any way. And that's a hard one, isn't it? Because you're going to be immediately worried about that. Well, y- you are, especially if there's some way that they can almost prove yeah. and and, and I think <laughs> in in my example later I can I can probably show how that might happen yeah. um, but if you're going to check with your bank try and do it in person or or you initiate the call from your phone to the number that you've got on your bank statement or, or on the back of your debit or credit card and don't trust anyone who tells you not to talk to your family friend or advisors about what's going on what they're trying to do is just, you know, um, isolate you from mm. the truth. Very scary. As I say, this was leading to hundreds of thousands of pounds that 
could have been lost and really very, very close. Because I can tell you as an advisor, if somebody tells you that, that um, they want to encash their investments, there's not a lot you can do to stop it. You can ask questions, but if somebody is adamant that's what they want to do, I mean, we have to accept instructions. Okay, so it's pretty difficult to investigate to that level at all times. I, I guess this is why we need to get the, the message out there. It, it, it is, because, you know, the scammers aren't going away. Now, me, um, supposedly scam-aware, yep. but also at a high period of stress in my life. I've been having some work done in the house, and my builder's waiting for certain things, and I, I know the kind of things I want in my house. So I've been ordering things, Yes. and the builder's been waiting for them. So lots of parcels allegedly supposed to be turning up to my house. And one day I'm in the office and I got a text on my phone saying, uh, supposedly from uh, Royal Mail saying, Simon is unable to deliver your parcel today because no one was at home. Please pay a £1.50 delivery charge. Okay. And it seemed genuine and I was stressed. I'm, I'm stressed because I've got a builder at home that I'm paying, waiting for stuff to be delivered. And... I'd arranged for somebody to be at home, so why hadn't Royal Mail delivered? Had they just looked at the door and walked away again? You know, these, you know, yeah. this is what we think. Yeah. So I wasn't thinking straight. Got onto the link that it sent me, paid the £1.50 through using my debit card, and then thought no more about it. And, the, you know, lo and behold, deliveries were arriving. Mm. Um, so, uh, as I say, I thought no more about it until about a week later. And I received a call from Steve at my bank checking on some suspicious transactions and he named the bank that he was calling from and the telephone number that flashed up on my mobile was one that I recognised and he said do you recall making a payment to Royal Mail for £1.50 and again the red mist descended <laughs> of course I recall this is the people who said they delivered and they clearly didn't because somebody was at home and I got angry again I'm still not thinking I know. straight we, we've been talking about your stress levels yes I know I know I know um, yoga <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> Something. It's fantastic. Anyway, yes, let's get back to the story in hand. <laughs> it's a scam, said Steve. And he then went through uh, and explained this, that Royal Mail don't charge for e-deliveries and how I needed to be alert to scams in text messages. To me, Steve was obviously there to help me. Hmm. He then asked me whether I recognised any other suspicious activity, such as attempted payments to a couple of other banks like Monzo or Revolut, and I, you know, I said, no, no, don't recognise those payments, don't recognise those payments, don't recognise those payments. But I later surmised he was fishing for accounts that I might have had somewhere else. Okay, you know, I could have said, yeah, I transferred some money to Revolut, don't worry about that, it's perfectly okay. Or yeah. I transferred some money to Monzo, don't worry about that. Um, but, you know, fortunately, I didn't have those accounts. But having gained my trust, mm. which is what he did, and... and, and he moved on to the next phase of the scam. As I said, the £1.50 was just the entry fee yep. to a bigger scam. He wanted to gain access to my bank account. Now, he was concerned that my account could have been compromised. And to protect me from future fraud, he wanted to verify a few more details, including the approximate balance on my account. Which is when my fraud antenna, I told you I'm <laughs> scam aware, but my fraud antenna yeah. did start twitching at that point. Okay. And I said, I'm uncomfortable with the direction that this call is going. And I wanted to hang up and call my bank before giving that information. And he said, 
don't do that. Okay. If you, he said, are you in front of a computer right now? I said, yes, I am. He said, well, if you go onto your bank, you'll just see that the number that's showing on your mobile phone is our number. Because if you drop the line and you go through to your bank, you might not get me and you'll have to go through this whole story again. It's pretty so, convincing. Yeah, it's, you know, everything's plausible. They yep. have huge scripts for this kind of thing. But I said, no, I stuck to my guns. And I said, no, I, I'm going to put the phone down and I'm going to call. And the moment you do that, they know that the ruse is up. Because yeah. you're going to call your bank and they're going to say, well, we haven't been calling you. Yeah. And actually, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I checked my bank statement, they mm. hadn't even taken the £1.50. Right. I mean, I've not been scammed out <laughs> so of £1.50. saved it. I've saved £1.50. <laughs> but they use that information to determine, because, you know, every bank has its own unique sort of numbers on its cards, so yeah. they can identify the bank. Right. They knew who I banked with just because they've been able to get that information. There's no way they're going to be able to collect loads and loads of £1.50s from potential people no, no, because the banks are going to. to see that. Mm. What they want is is to... Is to is the to in. create, yeah, the in. That's yeah. the good word. Yeah. And as I say, I'd called my bank, and they said that they never display caller ID on phones okay, because of that reason. And 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 I thought, well, that's the first I've heard of this. Mm. But the scammers, they're pulling these tricks every day, and they just need to find somebody. I mean, we're all fairly intelligent people. Some of us are very intelligent people. Some people I speak to, and we still get scammed. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, if they convincing. catch us at the wrong time. Mm. And I suppose they've a way of knowing that as well. I mean, they know when, if someone's died recently, yeah. uh, if someone's moved house, if someone's moving house. So they have a way of getting the information that allows them to sound. And there are the truly vulnerable people among us. Absolutely. Um, elderly, you know, with, with uh, declining cognitive ability. Um, I, I know you've, you've come across people who have had sort of scams that have happened to them as a yeah. result of just not having the same thought process as they had 20 years ago. Well, no, I mean, I mean that's a combination of um, cognitive ability and, and grief as well, I think. You know, picking a time when you're not thinking straight. Yeah. So actually looking back, you think, well, I, I can't believe I did that. But at the time, you're, you're not functioning well. And it's, <laughs> and it's a different world, different generations. Mm. Um, you know, we grew up when you knew your bank manager and... We don't necessarily understand just how far technology has gone no. um, and what it can do and how you can be, you know, how phone numbers can be spoofed so that it looks like it's calling from somebody yeah. um, or how email addresses, it can look as though it's come from an organisation that you know, the email address is, is there um, and it's come from somewhere else completely different. It's hard if you're not of that age group You've not been brought up with technology to appreciate just how far it's come. Yeah, I suppose if you just have any slight inkling or, or, or slight discomfort about it, just talk to somebody you know. I think you've just got to keep putting the phone down. You may, yeah. f And again, that's hard for us to do as human beings. We don't want to be rude no. to people, you know. Um, phone etiquette, you know. It's usually more polite when you pick up the phone to people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you just slam the phone down. Okay. Um, certainly, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. And uh, what do you know about artificial intelligence, Sarah? Uh, well, I've been reading quite a lot about it recently, and uh, and talking to people on on other forums, and it it well, it's very clever. It slightly scares me. Well, let me just fill in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's what I know about AI: cloning. 
Okay. They've got not only face cloning, you can do face cloning online. I've seen that on some videos yeah. where the, the, you've been able to superimpose your face or somebody else's face onto a, onto, onto a, a, a film clip. But now they're doing voice cloning. Yep. And this voice cloning is going to allow, well, it's, it's going to allow people to impersonate somebody who you know yep. to phone you up and maybe ask for money. So it just gets more and more sophisticated. More and more <laughs> sophisticated. And I don't believe that we are, we're not built for it. We're generally quite trusting yeah. as, a, as, a, yeah. as a species. Humans are generally quite trusting. We're, yeah, well, it's it's hard to see what not to trust if you're hearing the, the voice of your child or your yeah. <clears throat> friend. And this has been going. I mean, this isn't a new thing. It's just the technology has just allowed people to do this even more and even more remotely. Mm. Um, scams used to be, I suppose, always all more face to face or in person. Yes. I mean, the first recorded scam was about. 600 years BC <laughs> insurance fraud believe it or not well we're not going right. to go down that I mean it was one I can't pronounce the name um, okay Hegostratus or somebody like that oh we had a go uh, I've had a go I've had a go <laughs> insurance fraud it was happening 600 years BC yeah and we've had we've had metal money since about 300 BC and people have always tried to take these tokens of value tablets of clay shells from the Maldives whatever it's happened to be we've got Bitcoin now um, you know that's the uh, the the crooks well, I was going to say probably the crook's um, currency of choice because it's hard to find and very easy to disguise, but its value yeah. is pretty useless at the moment. Right. But, yeah, there have been some huge frauds over over time. You were, I think I saw you reading something about Bernie Madoff recently. Yeah. Um, well, not reading. I was watching the uh, Netflix series. I um, don't know if you've seen it. I have. It's I quite it was recent, great. I think. It's brilliant. Yeah. I remember what it's called. Something, oh, I don't know. Something about a monster, anyway. And that was a $65 billion security swindle, which went on for years and wiped out people's life savings. It ruined charities. And nothing was real. No securities were ever bought. I mean, it's like your £1.50. No, no securities were ever bought or sold. But Madoff's respected status allowed him to fool so many. You know, people thought he was the man. Well, he was the chairman of the Securities and well, the Securities and Exchange Commission in New York at one point. That's yeah. how a, an elevated status he had got. Yeah, and the thing is, he fooled them as well. Uh, I think they tried to investigate him. He said, no, I, you know, there's Don't nothing. Don't you know who I am? Yeah, there's nothing to see here. And they just said, OK, thanks, Bernie, you know, and, and off it they went. Hoodwinking um, people. So hoodwinking can, clever people. Well, exactly. So if, if they can be hoodwinked, then what hope do the rest of us have? Oh, well, now we're talking. So, so now you're reminding me of some of the scams. Did you read um, a book called Bloodwork? Mm, I think you told me about, it's about it. Th uh, this oh, yes, company yes. called Theranos yeah. um, by um, this Harvard dropout, Elizabeth Holmes, supposedly the new Steve Jobs, and she had created some technology that would do blood analysis, um, at the, in, uh, some technology the size of a matchbox, which used to take up something the size of a, of, of a large... Sort of printer yeah. on your desk, um, but it was all a con. But right. she had got money from people like George Shultz, the uh, the U.S. ex Secretary of State, Rupert Murdoch, the family behind Walmart, some of the brightest people in Silicon Valley, all putting millions of pounds in. 
and you've got to look at the psychological drivers behind that. Um, you know, we get sucked into scams for some of those primary things like greed or the fear of missing yeah. out and all kinds of things. Yeah. And, and in my case, you know, it's that anger that, that having arranged somebody to be at my home and the, and the post office supposedly not delivering is that that's got my attention, yeah. not the pound fifty supposed scam. No, but we've all had that story, haven't we? So it feels very familiar. It does. Well, we could go on probably all day, Sarah, about scams because it's been happening since the year dot. Yeah. And, you know, it just gets ever more sophisticated. But where would you go to get more information? Um, well, I've been, since we were started talking about this, I thought I'd better look at some scam websites and scam awareness websites are great at giving you lots of advice on how to avoid the traps and what to do if you're a victim of this type of fraud because I, you know one thing I read was that people feel incredibly embarrassed um, particularly depending on the type of scam they've been um, a victim of like uh, romance scams where oh. <laughs> yeah. tell, me, tell me more well this is where um, you know I, I guess since COVID and, and people have been using online dating more and more this is just another open door for the scammers really uh, they create a profile online, um, get in touch with you uh, and convince you that they want to be with you, that they want to get to know you. Um, but of course, this is all leading up to at some point asking for money. Um, but by this time, they've been so convincing, they, they've researched you, they've found out things about you that um, it's, it's pretty easy to fall for it. And I, I think that's probably one of the ones that people are most embarrassed about falling for. But I think because it's getting to our most primary need yeah. of about wanting to fall in love with somebody maybe well quite quite and you know that's what the scammers know they know that people are vulnerable but uh so this these websites are very good at saying why you need not be embarrassed about that sort of thing and and how they can help you and i'm thinking of people like crime stoppers um age uk is a really good one citizen advice and, and action fraud are just a few of the ones I've been looking at but they're really useful and I think the um, the FCA financial conduct authority have yeah. got a page on scams yeah. and things that might be current at the moment um, it's evolving so I don't think you can just read these websites the once and think that you are fully scam aware no I think you've got to be regularly going back to them and um, just finding out what's current and just being incredibly careful yeah Absolutely. Uh, is that all of the scams we're going to talk about today? We... Well, you know, we could do loads more, but I... I know, but I think we'll just worry people. <laughs> I think we would. Yeah. Um, I think it's great that we've given some some ideas and, and tips as to how to avoid them. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, these real-life examples are important. And I think, you know, it, any of us that are on there, you know, we now have a digital footprint. We lead a digital life. Yeah. That's opening us up to more and more scams. And be careful. Just yeah. be careful because it's a back door for the criminals into your life. Yeah. And talking of real life stories, uh, this might be something that you know our listeners want to share with us. And now we have a Twitter page where they can do that or ask any other questions they might have we do. of you. It's not called the Century Plan though, is it? No, I think you can search for it for the, under the Century Plan, but it's called Plan Century. Right. Just, yeah. Just to turn confuse it around. people. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we'd love it if people wanted to get in touch with us through that. And is there anything else for today? I don't know. I'm t- oh, no, probably not. What are we going to talk about next time? 
Forecasting. Forecasting. Yes. Okay, then. I'm looking forward to that one. Right, so am I. <laughs>